From KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, this is Bayou Lands Talks, a companion podcast where we're sharing some of our favorite conversations with a wide range of guests that we've interviewed for the KVLU radio documentary series, Bayou Lands, a program exploring the people and places of Southeast Texas since 2016. This is Shannon Harris. Happy 2022! It's hard to believe, but we've already finished one year of Bayou Lands Talks, and we'd like to thank our listeners for spending 2021 with us. We took a little break in December, but we are back and ready to kick off a new year of conversations. So let's get to it. In celebration of the 121st anniversary of Spindletop, we're sharing a conversation which aired on the most recent episode of the Bayou Lands radio series. It's an interview Jason Miller did with Troy Gray, director of the Spindletop Gladys City Boomtown Museum. Troy shared the fascinating true story of photographer Frank Trost, the first person to photograph the Lucas Gusher. We hope you enjoy. First thing, Troy, thank you for visiting with us on this episode of Bayou Lands. Well, thank you for inviting me. Well, it's great to have you here representing the Spindletop Gladys City Museum. And, and our topic, uh, this really fascinated me when I first learned about, you know, the photograph that seen around the world, kind of, right? It's referred to. Oh, yeah. It, it is everywhere and anywhere, you know, and it was back then as it is today. If you look at Spindletop, you're going to bound to see his photograph. That's going to be the photograph. I wanted to ask you first uh, and talk about the story about that big day and the, needing to, the need to document it and how he became the man who took that picture. So, yeah, my understanding, he was in Port Arthur. Uh, he was assigned this by a mayor, R.H. Woodworth. Uh, my understanding, he was a former mayor or mayor at that time, and he asked him to go out to Spindletop, and he uh, got on a horse and wagon, and he had a swish horse and wagons because uh, he got about a mile from there, and the roar of the oil scared the horse and wouldn't go for any further. So um, <laughs> wow. uh, I've heard a couple things that he grabbed his uh, 60 pounds of camera and other uh, items that he had with him, of 60 pounds, and ran to there, or he got another horse, or uh, so anyway. Um, and he got there, and he took only a, a two or three or four shots. And he didn't even know if he what he got until he got back. Yeah, that's right. At six yeah. o'clock, and then by ten, he started to print these out with his brother Philip. He started to print these out. Um, they said that they printed them out about two hundred fifty prints a day, and sent them out. So uh, wow. it went even as far as Japan. It uh, went all, all over the, literally the world. That's incredible for that era, you know, and how right. information moved to still move that fast. That's something so significant. And and two, it's like he came from Port Arthur, which probably seemed farther away than it does now from Beaumont. But uh, in reference to the story, like they weren't able to get anybody nearby to do it. Close yeah, it's proximity. a funny story because like uh, there is one photographer, Ostabi, which you will see a lot of oil pictures uh, from Spindletop from Ostabi, but not that first one okay. because he was stuck on jury duty <laughs> and he couldn't get out. And uh, then there was another photographer, which I haven't found the name of that one, but he um, said he wasn't going to go out there unless he was for sure going to get, I think it was like $40 for the photograph. 
And uh, here uh, you have Truss going out there, and he's uh, eventually made over $10,000 from his photographs. And, of course, these were put on all over, you know. And um, another really funny story is he sent this to many of the main papers of the day in Chicago Tribune actually accepted it and rejected it and saying, if you pay for the postage, uh, then uh, I will send it back to you. And then uh, a little later, he gets a telegram saying, wait, we changed our mind. We would like you to uh, release it to us. And he's like, okay, for $10, you know, uh, which is probably more than what he made from other papers. But uh, so many people really didn't know and understand at the time. Some people knew exactly what he had at the time. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's just that brilliant um, picture. And like I said, he didn't even know what he had because he had 60 pounds of equipment he got a few shots and ran back to see what he had wow it's it's hard it's amazing to think about you know today in instant photography and 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 him having to wait like that in the process and the equipment and and the gear and things like that also like do you know a bit about like the conditions at the time that he was photographing in with the gusher going? First of all, you have the oil going all over, but it was also raining. And that's another reason why he didn't know what he got, because it was raining, it was muddy, uh, you know. um, He he had to truck all of this stuff up in the mud. And also that day, there was a northeaster that went by. So it was raining, cold, muddy. So it was not an easy thing. Wow. Loud? Very yeah. loud. It had to have been very loud. Like I said, uh, he heard it a mile before. So, yeah. in uh, uh, you know, in that photograph, you also see um, Lucas in that first photograph. So I think that's a very interesting thing, too. So all of these people are standing around, and it's getting this really faithful shot. And, of course, that's how we measure our gusher too when we blow our gusher we uh they use that photograph of how high it needed to go wow yeah then you have to get to perspective exactly wow to look at that. and and also wow. to think that this ran for nine days and uh that gives us seeing that picture of oil spurting for nine days what 150 feet over the derrick yeah. that is an just looking at the photograph is a sight, but being there must have been tremendous, you know. Yeah, to be there. And how about like in, in kind of in reference to the city at the time, like how far out did he have to go to? How far out was that from civilization or whatever you Yeah, want to say? yeah. Uh, my understanding is he went 15 miles, which back then without a car, that was a long way, you yeah. know. But um, in the rain and uh, in 60 pounds of equipment also trying to get out there. So, yeah. Um, so it was uh, not very easy. Today it's very easy to go to the site. But back then it must not have been very easy. Also, too, it's like when you also look at, like, the significance of, of like, what he did, too. What did that do for his career or notoriety as as a photographer. Well, yeah, I mean, he kept his business all the way, I, I believe, almost to the end. 
of his life, uh, along with, uh, you know, he, when they started the fire department, he was the first or one of the first fire chiefs. Uh, I think they had two uh, chiefs that, and it wasn't a paid position. So they had one, I think the very first like three months and the next one was like, you know, a month or so, but then he came. So he was really uh, pretty much the first fire chief that, uh, except for a brief stint in between, he was there for like 20, 25 years as the okay. fire chief. And then um, he was also, you know, alderman, commissioner. He was the first weatherman of Port, Port Arthur. So uh, and many of these positions were unpaid. Uh, but uh, his photography business, of course, uh, you know, if you look at many of the pictures of the time, you will see his name. I have one of my workers have a um, trust picture of one of the ships that were coming through. And uh, that I have another really funny story. He he said his best shot is lost to history because he was ta- he was a fire chief and he went out there to stop one of the fires. Um, and um, he he got it settled down and uh, he like went over to get a picture and it, there was a big uh, explosion and it made him tumble. And um, that explosion uh, scared a team of horses that ran over his camera that uh, oh. that uh, got rid of the picture. And he's like, that was probably my best shot of the explosion. He got other pictures later of just the fire, but he felt that, that he missed his best shot because of the explosion in the team of horses. So The horses just really... Horse and French horses. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, with horses. Uh, very kind of uh, funny. Uh, one other picture that I uh, found uh, that he took, um, I believe it was in 1932, he tied himself to the new constructly, uh, constructed bridge of um, uh, Pleasure Pier. Mm-hmm. And as the USS Constitution, Old Ironsides, was coming by for a visit. He tied himself to the bridge, so as it went up, he took a picture of that. So uh, he was a very daring fellow, oh, I think. Yeah, I so. think he was the per. It sounds like he was the person to call to go and get that picture of the Lucas Gusher. Yeah, and he. There's a lot of uh, also towards his end of his life, he he uh, did a lot of speeches to the photography clubs and stuff like that. So yeah. So I mean, and he he actively was was taking. Now, did he go and did he go out and 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 take any more pictures that were related to the Lucas Gusher? Oh yeah, he took many around there. I mean, um, if you the the three biggest ones at the time was uh, Edgerton, Ostaby, um, and Trust. Okay. So if you see a lot of the Spindletop oil pictures, the Spindletop field, you're going to see one of those three names. And there were a few others, but those, one of those three. Uh, are the, you'll see a lot of their pictures, and, and we have them at uh, at the museum as well. Yeah, I was gonna. I want to talk to you about too about the the museum, and the people are aware the the Gladys City Spindletop Museum, and and not only have y'all have the gusher there, but then also y'all have a representation of the of the the community, the the town. Yeah. So. Um, and I don't know who took the picture of the Gladys City that we copied our the, the museum from, but um, 
yeah, we have like 15 different buildings that you go in and out, and it is situated like the downtown of quote-unquote downtown of Gladys City. This was wooden-clad buildings, uh, wooden walkways, covered porches, put up very quickly. Of course, Beaumont grew from 9,000 to 50,000 people almost overnight. And so, again, talking about the site of the gusher, but also just the site of the city at that time, you know, your quiet little lumber town booms almost overnight to 50,000. I'm understand that towards the end of 1901, 1902, it went down to 30,000, but still that's a big jump. Oh yeah, still significant. And 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 what is one of the defining characteristics of not just Southeast Texas, but uh, Beaumont, of the right. city of Beaumont. I wanted to ask you too about when this episode, the way we're airing this episode, we're, we're coming at the end of, of the year and in January is the anniversary. It was in January and yeah, so we always uh, celebrate that the second um, Saturday of January. That's the closest to January 10th. This year would be Jan- January 8th from okay. 10 to 4. And we blow the gusher uh, twice uh, during that day, sometimes three times, depending on the amount of people. If you ask me, I would take a time machine back and ask them to find the oil in the spring where it's nice weather. So sometimes we don't know what the weather will be like in January. But even on cold days, we've had um, over 200 people. On warm days, we've had uh, six, 700 people uh, there celebrating this tremendous feat. I always think that the discovery of the Lucas Gusher Spindletop should be a movie because there's a lot of suspense. There's a lot of characters in there. Mm-hmm. You do have Tross. You do have uh, Patillo Higgins, um, Anthony Lucas. You have a really uh, a really great Hollywood story there of how they found. So um, I think that is just something that we uh, should celebrate. And of course, it started all the industry in this area. All of Southeast Texas communities had a connection to the oil back then and today. And today, to this very day. And also to this very day, too, I I wanted to talk about, you know, for those listening, that Frank Tross, the studio is survived in Port Arthur, right? It's still something people can... Yeah, and it still says Frank Tross Studio on the side. Um, my understanding when the, uh, when he died in 1944, I believe, um, his daughters took over the business, okay. and his daughters did a lot of the photography after that. And then when they died, I think uh, the family sold that studio, but it still says Frank Tross. I don't know if it has to be, uh, based on the papers or whatever, but it still says Frank Tross Studio on the side. Yeah, so it still survives. You can you can get a sense of, of, of where it was, and it's, and, it's, and it's there. And was he, I, I didn't ask this, I just kind of wanted to, to ask you if, you if you knew, was was he based out of that studio still when, when he went to take the Lucas Gusher? He well, he, yeah, he's st- uh, so um, kind of the beginnings of him. He actually was born in um, 1868 in Reading, Pennsylvania. Okay. And then he went to um, Missouri and he had a real estate business, but his hobby was photography. And okay. he came down in 1898, I believe, in the summer 
um, there was a train the the one of the train um, companies was taking people along the Gulf trying to um, populate them and he was on one of those excursions so in the winter of 1898 he uh, moved his family, and immediately he set up. His first studio was at another place, but he uh, soon moved it over to where the present studio is. Okay, okay. It's 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 a fascinating story, and it's it's just amazing to think about you know the time period and and how that was still be able to be documented that way and in uh, the story, and um, it's uh, it's uh, great too that uh, the museum exists here on the campus of Lamar University. And uh, Troy, thank you for for coming by and 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 talking about the story of Frank Tross and the photograph around the world uh, that he took at the Lucas Gusher. And uh, and we you know also want to mention that Gladys City is a place that people can visit, correct, in town. It is, and we have different events and different things to celebrate that feat, but also talking about the life of 1901 and what that would have looked like. In Beaumont area. Exactly. (laughs) Thanks, Troy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to our guest for this episode, Troy Gray. The Spindletop Gladys City Boomtown Museum is located at 5550 Jimmy Simmons Boulevard on the campus of Lamar University in Beaumont, Texas. For more information, including a full list of upcoming events for adults and families, go to their website at lamar.edu slash spindletop dash Gladys dash city or call 409-880-1750. If you enjoy the conversation shared in this podcast, please remember to share and subscribe to Bayou Lands Talks wherever you find your podcasts. You can also listen on the NPR One app along with other podcast offerings from KVLU. And join us on social media at 91.3 KVLU Public Radio on Facebook and Bayou Lands on Instagram. Bayou Lands Talks is produced in the studios of 91.3 KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, by Shannon Harris and Jason M. Miller. Thanks for listening.